Hello, and welcome to the Permanent Good Podcast, a podcast that is part movie club, part improv comedy. I'm Craig Wells, aka Permanent Handle, and um, this one's going to be a little bit different, because not only is there no uh, improv comedy half, it's just me. Uh, I- ideally, I'm going to have a few guests along the way, but you don't even know what I'm going to have guests for, because I haven't explained the thing yet. So, ow, just hit my nose on the microphone. So, I've been wanting to rewatch the entire Marvel Cinematic Universe for a very, very long time. But it was hard for me to justify sitting down and spending, what, I don't know, two and a half full days of watch time, like, just, just watching movies. Now... Now that I now that we have figured out how to create content out of watching movies, watching movies and not creating content out of it, uh, it's it's a little harder to justify now. But I decided, hey, l- let's watch the entire MCU. Hey guys, I just wanted to hop in real quick. Um, the audio quality on this section is not great, as I'm sure you've noticed. But this is the only section like that. I think I just recorded it with my headphones instead of my microphone on this one. The audio quality's better later on. You'll be fine. Thank you. And do some podcasts about it. So the way that I'm going to structure this is I think I'm going to do an episode for each phase of the MCU. And each movie I'm going to talk about five, ten minutes, real loosey-goosey. Um... I'm going to record each segment after I watch the movie. So, you know, this will be, you know, recorded over the course of a few weeks or a few months, however long it takes me. Um, But with all that being said, I'm just going to jump right into the movie. The first one, Iron Man. Now, here's the thing. There's no way I can, like, not do spoilers for this. So if you have not seen Iron Man, or, like, the MCU. I'm going to be talking about them in, like, a holistic... I'm not even sure if I'm using holistic right. In, like, a in a grand idea as well. So not just this movie, but how it, like, sets up other movies and whatnot. And the rest of the MCU. So this is kind of just, like, your general spoiler warning for the entire MCU. Now, Iron Man 2008... Uh, Robert Downey Jr., Gwyneth Paltrow, Terrence Howard, Jeff Bridges. Uh, oh, there's a lot going on in this movie. Um, it starts out way darker than I remember. Um, the general tone about this movie that I noticed is like it hadn't been like Disney yet, um, which is obvious from the get go because it was uh, distributed by Paramount. So. You have this superhero movie that um, was inevitably going to lead to, you know, not just, you know, the the biggest franchise of all time, but something that, like, is kind of known uh, socially as, like, a super, like, family-friendly, not, like, super family-friendly, but, uh, you know, kids are kept in mind when they're making these kinds of movies, but... The opening to Iron Man is Tony Stark riding in a Humvee with three soldiers, uh, the Humvee in front of them blowing up, and then all three soldiers he's with 
dying, getting shot. And like, they don't hide it. So I was not expecting, uh, I, I had forgotten how dark the beginning of that movie was. And just in general, this movie had a much more militaristic, uh, tone to it, especially in like the first act. Um, I'm watching this movie, and, you know, I probably haven't seen this movie all the way through in like six, seven years or something. And I'm like, this movie is almost political. So you have this entire movie where uh, Tony Stark's entire arc is like, hey, we need to be the ones with the bigger stick. You know, I sell weapons and I do not feel bad about it. War is a side effect of being human. We're going to fight wars as long as we are people. And then, you know, and that kind of mindset is like, especially they, they play that so heavy in the first act of this movie. And when you first meet him and he starts talking like this, I'm like, man, if I didn't know where this character ended up, I would not like Tony Stark, which I think is kind of the point of the movie. You know, you're introduced to this playboy billionaire who, yeah, has the smarts and skills to back up what he's doing, but he's charming and quippy, but he's still arrogant and annoying. And he goes through an experience where he gets captured and uh, is taken prisoner for three months. And he and he watches someone die in front of him, you know, and it really changes who he is as a person. And I think I kind of went into this movie expecting like, oh, yeah, this is back when Marvel was still kind of getting their feet like on the ground and people remember it for nostalgia and whatnot. But no. This movie, this movie is good. This movie is good. Like, I, I, I just think it's uh, really cool. Like, there's more than one scene of Tony Stark being specifically called out for war profiteering. And, you know, Tony has to defend himself multiple times because of this. But then, you know, things change. And it's very rare you get to see such a distinct character arc in a single movie. Like, a lot of the times, character arcs are kind of laying out like breadcrumbs for a studio, or for an audience to follow. And while this movie did do some of that, I think, you just see, like, a total change in, in this character. Which which is what I think is this movie's strongest point. Um, other minor things. The terrorist group that he was kidnapped by um, was called the Ten Rings. And I don't know iron man comics super well but i know that that's kind of a reference to the mandarin and you know it takes us a little while to get to the mandarin and the mandarin that we get in iron man 3 is not exactly the uh mandarin we thought we were gonna get based on this kind of setup that we were given in iron man 1 but that's probably something i'll discuss when i get to that in a billion years see this is what happens is I just have my notes in front of me, and I have no good segues when I'm talking by myself, so you're just going to get some buck-wild uh, conversational transitions, and you're going to have to be okay with that. To this day, you know, 13 years after this movie came out, 
I still think that it has the coolest concept of technology and they make it look so achievable and it's the computer that Tony has where he just swipes at things and you know he has that mark 1 suit design and he's just like throwing stuff in the trash throwing stuff in the trash and how he puts his arm inside like the prototype gauntlet in the computer and then it cuts to him actually having that prototype gauntlet around his arm like that computer is probably like aside from the suit itself is probably the coolest piece of technology and talking about tony's technology you know there's his like garage robot lab worker lab assistants were uh fun characters in and of themselves and i think that tony was probably the funniest when he was talking to those robots uh you know that scene where the robot extinguishes him and he starts threatening it like it's just this movie delivers on a lot of comedy but i think the scenes with with the garage robots are definitely the best now i think jeff bridges did an amazing job as obadiah stane the antagonist for this movie i liked seeing him help tony i liked seeing him be a mentor for tony and then after he turned or at least like we're aware of the turn everything just seems like way more high stakes i i think that jeff bridges did a really good job of portraying that i think as far as like antagonists go and like this is beginning mcu so we're not worried about aliens or magic or any of that it's just you know it's tony's business partner who wanted more money it's as simple as that and I don't know what it is exactly about the character, but, like, I feel like we're just missing, like, 10% for that character to have really locked in. You know, there's that scene where Pepper is trying to get the files from Tony's office computer, and they do that thing where Obadiah is, like, very slowly circling the room, and Pepper's kind of, like, trying to hide what she was doing. That scene was tense, but not intimidating. And... I feel like this is the first scene where we're supposed to see Obadiah as like truly intimidating and it just like it like missed the mark by a hair and later when um he uses that sonic device on Tony to steal the arc reactor in his chest the speech that he was giving and like the kind of stance that he had over Tony again intimidating but like and like Jeff Bridges was like doing a good job, but like I don't maybe it's just like a personal, just subjective something wasn't quite clicking. This movie is not as action oriented as the rest of the MCU is, and it is kind of both a blessing and a curse. Uh, the blessing, obviously, because we had a lot of time to explore Tony's character arc. And that's where we got a lot of, you know, the gold that has shown through the ages. But on the downside, you know, personally, when I go into a superhero movie, you know, I want like one or two more fights than what this movie provided. Overall, there were a few dead scenes in the middle, you know, as most movies have. I think that there's just a lot of good that comes from this movie. The CGI has animated pretty well. You can tell when they use it, but like overall, I'm not upset by it. I think I'm going to give this like a 7.75 out of 10. 
It's a, it's good. It's just, it's good. Really good. It's not like quite my personal favorites in the MCU, but I def, it was definitely better than I remember it, and I was very pleasantly surprised. All right, on to the next one. The Incredible Hulk. Also came out in 2008, and this movie is often considered the most forgettable MCU movie. A lot of people even forget that it was an MCU movie, and I don't blame them. This movie kind of sucks. You know, the the simplest way to put it is that this movie was almost almost a movie about like man's hubris and his search for infinite power and like how do i become stronger am i willing to take risks to get that power you know it's it it was almost about the dynamic that man has with its within power and instead of doing that it just became a super generic military chasing a monster movie with very little monster in it so the incredible hulk obviously you know the whole point of the movie is uh edward norton's bruce banner is trying to find a cure for the hulk and he's trying to suppress the hulk so it makes sense that we're not going to see him throughout a lot throughout this movie but like the the first scene that we like the Hulk has action is like a little less than a half hour in and he's um you know he was aggravated and he's fighting soldiers and some gang members inside of the bottle factory that he's in um and then but the, the that whole thing happens within the shadows so like it's supposed to be kind of like a like like I don't want to say scary as in like a horror movie scary but like it's supposed to be like more thrilling that way but i'm just like we already know this is a hulk movie we kind of already know what the hulk looks like so just like show just show us the hulk please and so then another 30 minutes goes by before the hulk comes out like all proper and like we see like all of him um there's just there's too much this is gonna sound really stupid because this movie is about scientists and uh experiments and whatnot, but in my opinion, there's too much science in this movie. There's too much boring science. They didn't make the science interesting. So it what's frustrating is the Hulk is by definition the most action oriented uh hero on the Avengers because he's like He's pure strength and rage. And I think the important thing about the Hulk is that it's supposed to be this balance between, you know, the psychology of Bruce Banner and the strength of the Hulk. And, like, how do you get those two ends to cooperate? But this movie hardly scratched that surface, you know? And it's not until Thor Ragnarok, you know, nine years after this movie comes out where we get any sort of like all right let's let's take an actual dive into like how bruce interacts with the hulk you got a little bit in age of ultron but that was a joss whedon film and joss whedon joss whedoned it so 
what I'm saying is, this movie was boring. It was boring. Like, that that's kind of just what it comes down to. You know, 80% of this movie is Ed Norton on the run. And Ed Norton, in my opinion, never played a smart Bruce Banner. You know, there were times where he was mixing chemicals. There were times where he was talking about experiments. But in the end, he he, he never felt like, you know, however many PhDs Mark Ruffalo's Bruce Banner earned. You know, I, I feel like Mark Ruffalo, you get that sense of like, yeah, I'm anxious about the Hulk, but I'm also smart enough to know what to do about it. And also, just in terms of acting, Liv Tyler as Betty Ross, not great. She had a very, again, it was one of those things where this character is supposed to be super smart, did not get that from the way Liv Tyler portrayed her. In the end, a lot of people are like, oh, this movie isn't that bad. It's not that forget. Yeah, it is. You, listen. Uh, the big thing when I went and watched this movie, I think the big problem with the MCU as a whole is because Hulk doesn't get any solo movies after this, it's a lot harder to get like an emotional background on him. And I've never truly connected to Bruce Banner or or the Hulk in the Avengers movies because we hardly see him. And when we do, he's rarely the main focus. So, you know, when I went back to watch this movie, I'm like, okay, I'm going to get that context. I'm going to look at this background and I'm going to understand Bruce Banner a little bit more. This movie throws us in halfway to everything. It threw us, you know, he was already the Hulk. He was already trying to cure it. He had already gone through, um, you know, a relationship with Betty Ross. He had already had a relationship with the military. These are all things that, like, maybe if we had seen this stuff instead of what actually happened in the movie, like, maybe it would make connecting with this character easier. And I think that's my biggest issue. You know, we start this movie and he's on the run and we're like, okay, well, why is he on the run? And they explain why he's on the run. And I'm like, okay. And it just feels like everything about this feels so assumed and anticlimactic. Like, the the final fight sequence between Abomination and Hulk was cool. I like that fight scene. And a lot of people criticize the MCU because there's a lot of, like, CGI on CGI fight scenes. But, like, you know, I, I if they're big in action, you, you know, I, I, I can get along with that stuff. And I like the Abomination versus Hulk fight scene. And you could also tell that they planned on using Abomination for something later on. Because I think otherwise, you know, Hulk just would have killed him. But I, this movie left a lot to be desired, and I understand why people don't like it, because I don't like it. Also, I, I experienced a huge Mandela effect during this movie, because the end of this movie is Tony Stark walking in on the general at a bar and being like, Hey, general, I heard you got a problem. We're assembling a team. Um, I could have sworn for the life of me that there was a, that this movie had a scene with black widow talking to ed norton's bruce banner and discussing the team with him specifically maybe that happens later in this phase and i'll have to remember to talk about it 
if I see it again, I could have sworn that scene involved Black Widow, not Tony Stark. And, like, this movie essentially, like, Tokyo drifted us. We're like, this movie sucks, but we had Vin Diesel at the end. And it doesn't save it. It doesn't make things better. So, overall, I'm giving this movie a five and a half out of ten. It had very few redeeming qualities. And uh, I'm glad Ed Norton was recast. And I'm glad none of these characters came back. That's just the fact of the matter. Alright, I'll see you at the next movie. Alright, on to Iron Man 2. Um, This movie is good. I liked it. Is it as good as the first Iron Man? No. Am I the first person to have that opinion? Also no. But, there's a lot of good things happening in this movie, and there are definitely things that hold this movie back. Uh, The good things is, I think we get, you know, a just-as-dynamic character arc with Tony. You know, we start this movie off, and he's being held accountable for having, you know, essentially a super weapon. And, you know, the first act of this movie is the debate of, is the Iron Man suit a super weapon, or is it just a tool that Tony uses? And when he's at Congress defending himself, you know, he's being all charming, he's being funny, and, like, uh, he, he makes a lot of good points. So you're like, yeah obviously tony's in the right tony should keep the suit he shouldn't have to like worry about registering it with the government like i'm on tony's side for this but then about halfway through the movie tony starts to get a little bit more belligerent and less accountable and he starts taking more risks and you're like oh i kind of see where they were coming from and i don't think it ever gets so bad to the point where you're like, okay, Tony, it's time to abide by the government. But there's definitely a point where you're like, okay, maybe listen to Rhodey. You know, maybe take a step back. Maybe be a little bit more cautious. So uh, we got to see Tony kind of go through more internal challenges, which I think is the most important part of an Iron Man movie. A thing that held this movie back is... This movie has two antagonists that are not strong enough to stand by themselves and somehow also not strong enough to hold this movie together with two antagonists. Um, I thought Justin Hammer was annoying and not in like a villain way. He was just a nuisance. I hated the way he interacted with Whiplash. I hated the way he like he wasn't at the beginning when you first meet him he's almost like the nerd with wire tape glasses and you're like oh i kind of feel bad for this guy um but then he just kind of like moves away from that but doesn't get the confidence to stand up for himself he doesn't become a strong enough character to like justify his actions he's never intimidating he's never threatening He always seems like he's just like, he always seems like he's making up what he's doing on the fly, but more in an I'm unprepared way, not so much as like a, um, improv-y, like, watch me figure this out because I'm cool kind of way. 
And then we have Mickey Rourke's character, um, Whiplash, who was just like he he had an interesting backstory, you know, and like how he related to Tony Stark and uh, you know, he had a good vengeance story, you know. He he had the motivation. It's just that because he was so tied to Hammer, he was weighed down by the same things that Hammer was weighed down. Even though they're completely different characters. Like, uh, Whiplash was, you know, mostly silent. Which means Hammer had to do all the talking. And I hated when Hammer talked. And Whiplash, you know, kind of put the pressure on Hammer in terms of, like, what Whiplash was building and and what he needed and whenever hammer would be like try to stand up for himself like no you can't do this no you need this no you need this and then hammer would try to appease to him like oh i got you this i got you this it's just like they didn't have any chemistry and like in any sense they didn't have any like charismatic chemistry they didn't have any threatening chemistry they didn't like there was no tension it was just two people who were in a room together that like sometimes worked together and they just didn't have any good and i think that's the main crux of this movie is i didn't care i cared more about what was happening internally to tony than i was externally to the planet so i think tony trying to find a replacement for you know the palladium poisoning was interesting but that's not enough to carry a movie especially an iron man movie and a lot of people but a lot of people criticize the pacing for this movie specifically when it comes to how heavy-handed it was in trying to set up the mcu because there was a lot of nick fury there was a lot of aging there wasn't a lot of these characters but like there was more of these characters than we kind of thought there was going to be and it's very much in a hey we're setting up shield for realsies and we are making the mcu now put on your seat belts we're going and so and you know some people didn't like that but you know for what it's worth it was not really what took me away from this movie but i do want to say again i did like this movie you know rdj does tony stark amazingly i i like the interactions that him and pepper had this movie i liked uh i liked happy i liked uh black widow you know pretty much every character in this movie is good and strong except for the antagonists so overall there's not really too much to say about this movie i'm i think i'm gonna give this a 6.75 out of 10 it's good i like it but you know pales in comparison to what came before and what will come after all right on to the next one thor now thor is the first one that i saw in theaters you know my dad took me and my brother i was 12 years old at the time and also i cried during this movie now i was 12 years old and We were a little late to the movie and we entered the movie theater and the storm chasing scene had already started and 12 year old Craig uh, was not a fan of that. So I sat down, thunder started cracking, you know, a tornado started and I was just like, nope, actually not a fan of this. 
Um, but I was able to make it through the rest of the movie. Now, I did not cry this time, but man, this, I don't know. I feel bad dunking on so many movies in a row, but like, I was not a fan of this one either. So I've read a few Thor comics. I've tried to read a few Thor comics. And something that I don't like about the movies and the comics both is they try to bridge, you know, superhero action with Norse mythology. You know, that's the whole premise of Thor uh, as a Marvel character. And like, I just don't think they ever get the balance right. And maybe it's just because I'm not a fan of norse mythology you know as like a form of entertainment uh assassin's creed valhalla is one of my least favorite assassin's creeds and i i you know when i go into a movie all kind kind of already not liking the source material uh it's at a disadvantage every time they were in asgard every time they did an asgard thing i was just i was kind of checked out i liked i liked it when thor was on earth I like the interactions that he had with Jane. Um, wasn't a big fan of Dr. Eric. H- his character was just kind of super naggy and a-, a little too overprotective for my taste. But the interactions that Thor had with Jane and, you know, them infiltrating the S.H.I.E.L.D. base, you know, there were good interactions. But as soon as they were on Asgard, as soon as they had to deal with Odin, as soon as, like, Loki started doing his tricks. I'm like, all right, whatever. I'm out. Check. And also, I felt like the pacing for this movie was just kind of not good. You know, uh, like to my previous point, every time I got invested into what they were doing on Earth, they would go to Asgard. And every time I was invested in what they were doing in Asgard, they would go back to Earth. And I'm like, I I feel like we're watching two different movies. And I I think that that's just kind of the crux of what's happening and like on top of that where tony stark's arrogance eventually gave him a taste of his own medicine uh thor's arrogance kind of just like i don't know i never feel like he like really understood what his arrogance cost everyone else so yeah he repented yeah he learned his lesson but it it was never like a gradual understanding. It was a, all right, here's the scene where he's going to become worthy again. And I'm like, so he does one scene. So he does like one action sequence where he escorts people out of a town during a fight. And he goes up to this machine and he goes, take my life instead of theirs. And all right, I guess we're good enough. I guess we're good enough for Mjolnir again. Because like, if that's the bar, Every Marvel superhero should be able to should be able to wield Mjolnir. I, I I think he didn't go through enough trials, and I feel like he could have gone through more trials if we were more focused on Earth, but we weren't. We were like double dealing, and uh, the pacing, the characters, the story, like everything suffered because of it. I think a lot of people like Loki because he's mischievous because he's charming because he's a smooth talker we didn't see any of that in this movie he does like the same hologram trick twice and then he betrays the frost giant at the end and we're like oh no he had like a double double plan whatever i like loki was not established too much as a trickster 
and there was just a lot happening with nothing happening and there were good parts of this movie like i said the thor and jane relationship was cool the fight between uh lady sif and the three warriors or whatever they're called um that fight that they had with the monster or the machine rather that loki sent the guardian or whatever uh that was a fun fight sequence but once thor goes back to asgard once you know he fights loki on that on the rainbow bridge i'm like okay cool we're at the end i guess and if we had seen thor on earth longer him destroying the rainbow bridge like that probably would have had a better emotional impact on me i think chris hemsworth does an amazing job as thor uh, and we're going to see that throughout the course of the entire MCU. I just think he is consistently not written well because they're trying to juggle two things at once. So while there would go- while there were good parts of this movie, overall, I'm giving this movie a six and a quarter, 6.25. I know the character deserves better and he's going to get better later in the MCU. But right now, yikes, this movie was not great. OK, so Captain America the first avenger this movie has a pretty low rating in terms of imdb fan score um oh hey i'm so bad at doing like formalities when it comes to (laughs) stuff like this do you want to introduce yourself hi people of the world i'm bailey how's it going (laughs) um bailey is a very good friend of mine and a friend of the podcast we're going to be talking about um captain america the first avenger as i was saying before i came to my senses um this is one of those movies that i feel like people have come around to over time this movie star-studded cast chris evans hugo weaving sam jackson Haley atwell sebastian stan tommy lee jones stanley tucci neil mcdonough like there's a lot of people in this movie although this... i will say sorry i will say no, that's all good Dominic Cooper, whenever I see him in anything, I'm like, all I can think about are his other roles in, like, Mamma Mia. (laughs) Yeah. uh, I forgot how much of this movie was not a war movie. In my head, before, like, I haven't seen this movie in, like, years. And the... and, 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 like, in my head, it was just Captain America going to like different hydra bases and beating them all up but there's a lot more before that even happens like there's a whole musical number that my brain just decided to forget totally forgot about it and it's also something like in my head sebastian stan is a relatively new entry to the mcu but he's not he like he's been in here since phase one, you know. He was in before the Avengers movie. Yeah, I was definitely surprised of how big of a role he actually had in this one. He had a big role, but I feel like not big enough. Um, no. we were talk. You messaged me about this movie last night, and you said that you forgot how heartbreaking the train scene was, and I agree. But I feel like we could have used like one more scene of them having like a friendship to really drive that point home. And I feel like 
we just missed one like we could have had one more scene with them i agree it was i just like the anguish in the scream i was like oh he was just like no and i was just like oh my god also i um watching this movie again reinforced the thought that i've had i find it hard to believe that there was anything to recover that boy fell hundreds of feet and based on what we saw landed on the ground i was like how did he not die i was like wait did they explain this in depth enough no yeah it's just one of those things where what i've noticed from watching this from the beginning is they set a lot of things up but not committing to them and like and so like the big thing i mentioned this earlier is um in the incredible hulk he the hulk doesn't kill abomination because I think they thought, oh, let's do Abomination again later. When have we seen Abomination? We haven't. We have not. Never again. So I, I have a feeling that they were like, listen, if we if this movie does well, we'll bring him back. If not, he died in that canyon. <laughs> also, yeah. just a bad place to put a train. Hey, guys. Hey, whoever engineered that railroad. I hope you got fired. <laughs> like the construction workers are just laying down that track and they're just like, I don't know. It doesn't seem like a good idea to me, but it pays the bills. It gets us from A to B. My least favorite part about this movie is my least favorite part about literally everything about the MCU is I could not care less about anything involving Thor. That whole Norse integration I am personally not a fan of. So when like the beginning scene of this movie is them messing around with the Tesseract, I'm like, ah, I forgot. That's what this movie was about. That's how I felt. I was like, oh, yeah. I was like, they incorporated all of that here. Um, Stanley Tucci, amazing in this movie. He played uh, Dr. Steimer, um, I think was his name. Whoever injected him with the super serum. Um, I, I really liked his character and I really like how good they did of establishing Steve's character very early on. And there's a scene where he's like at train where he's at the boot camp where uh, Tommy Lee Jones throws a grenade and everybody runs and he jumps on the grenade. And I'm like, that's when Tommy Lee Jones and the audience is like, oh, yeah, I see it now. Yeah, absolutely. So I was. I was talking with Jordan about like the visuals for pre super soldier serum Steve. Cause I was like, he just looks a little too bobbleheady. And like, I was, and Jordan was like, well, that's my partner. Everybody who doesn't know. He was like, well, that's just cause we know what he looks like. Like we've seen it before. We've seen him in other stuff. And I'm like, yeah, but they could just, they could just take in the head in a little bit more. Yeah. Um, from what I was looking into it, they had to shoot each scene with small Steve four times because they had to do one with all of them in it. One with just Steve, one with everyone, but Steve. And then like a fourth one with a body double for safety. Oh my God. And 
you know, I was okay with Small Steve. It was a little off-putting, but it only got super off-putting when he first spoke because he still has that yes. like six-two Chris Evans register. Um, and I'm like, ooh, ooh, you almost got it. You, listen, we're like seventy percent of the way there. the The body is ten percent. The voice was the other twenty. Oh my yes. god, it was so off-putting. And also this movie liked to do a lot of foreshadowing. Like like, this movie went on for five minutes before uh, young Steve picked up a trash can lid and tried to use it as a shield. And I'm like, okay, maybe a little heavy, maybe a little heavy, a little heavy on the foreshadowing. But I also like how they like went full circle with it because like right at the end, you see the little kid holding the trash can as a shield. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So that was cute. (laughs) Also, so we watched this on Disney Plus because owning movies is a relic of the past. And they they kept that scene in the end. You know, there's that scene after the credits where, where they say uh, Captain America will be back in the Avengers. And then they just play a trailer for the Avengers. Just the OG Avengers trailer. I thought, oh, this is, you know, this is a post credit scene. No, oh. <laughs> hardly a little. That was <laughs> off-putting. That was surprising. Because because Di- Disney Plus was like, all right, let's move on to the next thing. I'm like, no, no, no. I'm pretty sure there's a post-credit. Let me watch the post-credits. And then it was just an ad. I'm like, never mind. You were right. You were right. <laughs> <laughs> okay. You win this time. One point, Disney. What did you think of Red Skull? Oh, my God. He was so... He was like young me was kind of scared of him so like there's a part of me that's still a little like off put but i think most of my discomfort comes from the fact that the mouth of him looks like (laughs) jim carrey the mask smell (laughs) his mouth is very defined where like the rest of him is very much like makeup exactly like if you've seen enough movies where they do like full face prosthetic makeup like that like normally like their mouth is like a little bit tightened because of it. And it's like their mouth movements are a little more constricted. Nope. Not with red skull. Like you could see all those teeth, baby. He was doing like theater kid slash choir kid, like mouth movements. It's like over enunciations. So his lips were so dramatic. Yeah. Um, (laughs) also I just found it funny whenever, um, they were fighting against Hydra and like the Americans were using bullets and guns and Hydra was just using straight up laser weapons in the 1940s. And people didn't make a big deal out of it. There was one scene where they were like, do you know how to fire that thing? And he fires it. And they're like, good enough for me. And that's it. That's it. It. Yeah. They're just, Okay, and nobody else knew. Nobody else was scared of them. They're just like, all right, we're going to keep this under wraps. I think the scene that irked me the most is I hate it when movies do a drastic tone shift for no reason. And it's that scene where Natalie Dormer kisses Steve and um, Agent Carter walks in on them and they have that argument and you're like, clearly you haven't learned anything about women. And then she forgives him like a scene later. I'm like, oh, so this was nothing. So this was nothing. She was just jealous. She was jealous. Yeah. Uh, Best performance of the movie goes to Neil McDonough. 
Um, you might know him as uh, Damian Dark from Arrow and the Arrowverse, or um, the bad guy in Paul Blart Mall Cop Two. Um, in this movie, yeah, in this movie, he was the one that wore that like <laughs> ostentatiously red mustache. Yeah, um, uh, he really carried the whole movie, in my opinion. Truly. Uh, do you have any final thoughts? Should we discuss your thoughts on whether you like? Long hair, short hair, Bucky more. I told you I'm my just, answer, but you didn't say you didn't say I, yours. Yeah, you prefer short hair, Bucky, and I also prefer short hair, Bucky. I just listen. I, I just think it has to do with like being able to see the face. Yes. So I, I just like it when you can see people's face. I'm the same way with pretty much everyone. In general, I prefer aesthetically short hair. Not to say that having long hair is bad or generically unattractive but you know my personal aesthetic has always been a short hair one that's why like the seeing the face thing is why my favorite long hair bucky is white wolf bucky when he's like in wakanda and his hair is like tied back away from his face yeah then you get the long hair and you get to see the full face and it's just chef's kiss yeah absolutely um i'm gonna give this a seven and a half out of ten which was more than I was anticipating going into this movie. Yeah, I was thinking definitely like a seven or seven and a half. We're on the same page there. All right. Uh, next movie is The Avengers. Uh, and I will see you when we talk about that. Thank you very much, Bailey. See you then. All right. Before we talk about The Avengers, there are two things that I need to talk about. One, while discussing Captain America, Bailey and I talked about how like, oh, you know, they start doing the Thor thing with the Tesseract. That is because <laughs> both of us thought and did think until today when I looked it up that the casket of Ancient Winters, you know, that little blue freezy box, we thought that was the Tesseract. And I know we are not alone in this because when I looked it up, there were like six articles being like, Nope, you're not the only one. Other people thought about this too. So, hey, MCU, why did you put two very similarly shaped blue boxes in movies like right next to each other? Not a smart move. Zero out of ten. Um, and the second thing is back when I was talking about The Incredible Hulk, I'm like, I could have sworn that there was a scene with Black Widow and Hulk. Um, that's because it happened in Avengers. That's because... That's because it happened in this movie. Um, so there's your payoff for that. I, I remembered that now. But so I, I went into rewatching the Avengers like I had I had a pretty low bar because I'm like, you know, this movie is probably like we probably remember it better because of nostalgia and it probably hasn't actually held up. I was wrong um, that movie is very good. Now, listen, there's a lot wrong with the Avengers. Um, a lot of the green screening hasn't aged well. Um, whenever they're on the bridge of the helicarrier, like, it doesn't look great. I still don't like Loki as a villain. I'm still upset they did Hawkeye so dirty. Like, we've seen, like, <laughs> we saw Hawkeye a little bit in Thor, and the most of the time he was in this movie he was a villain or like he just like he had like you know he had villain intentions and i'm like guys <laughs> this is why nobody likes hawkeye because you introduced him and then immediately gave him ill intentions 
Uh, so I will never forgive the MCU for that. But um, on top of that, the the this movie's other weaknesses, you know, there's a lot of scenes where nothing happens. There's a lot of scenes of people on the helicarrier just kind of talking. Like, they don't really get their chemistry for a while, and they're just kind of, like, standing around talking at each other until they do. You can tell, it just, like, it takes a little bit for them to find their chemistry. However, when this movie goes off, it goes off very hard. Like, the last hour of this movie is... The the last hour of this movie is the reason why... I love superheroes. I think they managed to get like that team effort in very well. I enjoyed watching them collaborate as a team. Every time they helped each other, I felt a little bit of like the warm fuzzies inside. And my favorite thing is when superheroes give people hope. And so whenever, like, you know, the end of this movie is a lot of people being like, oh, the Avenger, like, the Avengers make people feel safer. And, you know, now that there are aliens, you know, we know that we can trust the Avengers, you know, stuff like that. Like, it always gets me. It gets me real good. Uh, And I think Phil Coulson is really, you know, a good character in this movie. Um, You know, some more criticisms, you know. They when they separated for a little bit, like after Loki like scatters them, and you know Thor's on the ground, uh, the Hulk falls out of the Hell Carrier, and all that nonsense. Like, there's kind of nothing that brings Thor and Hulk back. You know, like like there's this scene where Nick Fury uses Phil's uh, Captain America cards as a push to get them back together, and you know that works for them. But you know, for Thor and Hulk, it's just kind of like oh. Time to go back to the team. But this movie does find its footing. Like I said, it takes a little bit of time. But I think once they really start... That scene where they start arguing and start talking over each other, some of those lines are a little ham-fisted. Some of those lines are just like not not cleanly written. They seem very forced. But in general, I just... That's where I think that the movie found its tone i think you know but overall i don't think there's really too much that i want to say about this movie other than like it starts out a little you know wonky but i just i love it so much it's a very good movie um i wish you know we got more maria hill later in the mcu you know she shines pretty bright in this movie then we kind of don't see her again this prominently for the rest of the MCU. Uh, I really like um, Hawkeye's and Black Widow's relationship. I think, you know, I, I think that they genuinely do have a good chemistry together and watching them work together is is fun. You know, there's always something that can be said about Black Widow's sexualization, you know, in the early versions of the MCU, especially any MCU movie that was directed by Joss Whedon. So it's something that I I noticed and I'm I'm definitely critical of, you know, that first scene we see her like, you know, all dolled up in an interrogation chair. And it's like, hmm, this is really this is really how we're doing it with this with with this movie. All right. I mean, I guess. Cool. Cool. Go off, I guess. But I just want to end by saying like this movie is it's really cool. 
the New York fight scene is incredibly iconic and the way uh the way Tony says when they all get together in New York and they're on the and they're on the circle and Tony's like all right call it cap and captain just starts like you know assigning the team to different areas and they just like start going off and doing that like these are just iconic moments to me and like moments where a movie truly clicks so i think this movie is just incredibly fun and i had a lot of fun with it and i love it a lot so i'm giving this an eight out of ten and you know phase one had a lot of problems phase one had movies i did not like However, the phase one movies I liked, I really liked. So, ooh, should I give, I think I'm going to do like a phase one rating. I'm not going to like average out the ratings because that would be dumb. Because I think some movies hold a bigger impact than others. So I'm going to give the phase one of the MCU a seven and a quarter. Because Thor sucked. I take that back. Because Incredible Hulk sucked, Thor wasn't good, Iron Man 2 was okay, but Iron Man, Captain America, and Avengers all knock it out of the park. So I'm going to give this a 7 and a quarter out of 10. Um, Thank you very much for listening to me ramble about uh, Marvel movies. So if you want to follow me on Twitter, you can do that at Permanent Handle. I'm streaming on Twitch, twitch.tv slash Permanent Handle. I'm uploading my streams onto YouTube. My YouTube channel is Permanent Handle. You know, I'm if if you need to find me, chances are I'm Permanent Handle somewhere. So, thank you very much. And when will the next Phase episode be out? When will the Phase 2 episode be out? I don't know. I Good question. Couldn't tell you. Um, but thank you very much for listening. And I will see you next time. Have fun, be safe, and make good choices.